tell you that your Bible studies are available there for your families. And uh, the commitment Bible studies are there, one and two will be in two weeks' time. And then number three, we'll hand it out as you, as you finish off. If you haven't got one, please take one. And just register your name that you took one. We'd love that to take place. For boys and girls, the new calendar for the year, the, 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 uh, the advent calendar has arrived. We trust that boys and girls will take, take it home for your children. Please make sure that they do have one. It's a scripture memory calendar. God bless you. All right, we're going to take uh, our Bibles this morning. You've got your Bible with you. And uh, we've been on the book of Acts for the past couple of weeks. And uh, it's interesting to walk through uh, the acts of the Holy Spirit, seeing the Holy Spirit in action. Uh, We've spoken uh, together about the day of Pentecost, and we've spoken together here about the empowered life. It is sad to see today how many Christians are so weak spiritually, and yet Jesus Christ has left behind a resource for us an empowerment for us, and we don't use it. And uh, I'm not going to preach from a particular passage per se, but I want to answer some of the questions that come out of Pentecost for all of us, where we sometimes have confusion. But I want to take you to Acts chapter 2 this morning, and uh, as we answer these questions, um, I trust they'll be a blessing to you and challenge you this morning to live a life that is a Spirit-filled life. Today, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, one of the first great principles of the early church was this. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, as they were gathered, the Holy Spirit came. Verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so you have the filling of the Holy Spirit for the individual. First of all, this is the baptism of the Spirit where the body of Christ has come together in unity and the Spirit is present. But more than the Spirit being present, the Spirit now possesses you and me by filling you and me. And uh, then we go over to Ephesians chapter 5 and we read together uh, verse 18. Um, And it says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here is not just an event, but there is a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're Spirit-filled, you'll speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of of God. When you're a spirit-filled believer, you, you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You submit as the body of Christ one to another. And then we come back to the passage we read last week and we saw the signs of the filling of the Spirit. The evidence in the body of Christ. What, what kind of church was it? Well, we, we saw there in verse 41 of chapter 2. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. The purpose of the coming of the Spirit is to bring, empower the word of God, bring conviction of sin, and draw people to a saving experience of Christ. There we have it. And then they continued, that's the believers, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. And there was a holy reverence 
that came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, that's unity, and had all things in common. Spiritful believers are united in the Spirit. We're different, but we're united. Amen. And they sold their possessions and goods, dividing them among all as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. By the moving and the act of the Holy Spirit in the life of the apostles, the, the word of God was going out and men and women were being saved. Now I want to take you back and see. Some people say, Pastor, we've got to have Pentecost repeated every day. No, no, no. Uh, that's a once for all coming of the Spirit in the way that He comes to baptize and to give the gift of the Spirit and to fill the believer is the ongoing process of sanctification or the ongoing process of the work of God in our lives daily. Chapter 4 and verse 31 uh, there's another experience here as you see the evidence. Uh, verse 31 says, And they prayed. And the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Um, now you see the same disciples were filled again. So you're going to uh, pick up on that principle today. That in the filling of the Holy Spirit, there is a continuousness. Amen. In your life each day, there is a continuousness. The Holy Spirit continues to fill your life, empower your life, whichever one you want to use. That is the importance of it. You say, Pastor, will I speak in tongues? If you speak in tongues, make sure that you are spirit-filled. That's why you can speak in tongues. You can witness. That's why you witness, because the Spirit is leading and has empowered your life. And then I want us to go to chapter 5 and verse 32. And the whole purpose of the, the spirit-filled life is, and we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. All right, there's a lot to be said today. I'll say a little bit to make sure that we understand all that God is trying to teach us. So our verses then is, and they were all filled with the Spirit. But the command is, be filled with the Spirit. So I'm not only to look at an event of people's lives. I am to do something about the Spirit-filled life. I must be filled with the Spirit. How to be filled with the Spirit? In Luke chapter 11, verses 11 to 13, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people, He says, How much more shall the Father give you the Holy Spirit? To those who ask him. So I want to answer the question. How can I be filled with the spirit? That's God's business. But you need to ask him. Jesus said you must ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. When pastor? When it's needed. Daily. Amen. Continuously. Have you asked that in prayer this morning? You see that's where we lose out as the body of Christ. We don't always concentrate on that. So the one thing that Jesus left the church was the promise of unlimited power. And many of us as Christians don't ask God to fill us. We try to go on in our own strength. What would he then leave this unlimited power for? 
And you shall receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be able to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts here. As a spiritual believer, you're going to be able to do your job and witness for Christ. You're going to be able to live in the fullness and the power of God. And people will be able to see that you're not just an ordinary worker, but you're a different kind of person because you glorify God. And who glorifies God? The Spirit glorifies Christ in you. Amen. That's a spiritual believer. Well, the dynamic of the, uh, of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. Because the word used, and you shall receive power, the word dynamite comes from the word dunamis. This is the dynamite, the dynamic life. I cannot see the Christian life is, is boring. I can't see it as, as not being a charismatic kind of life where you are enthused by the Spirit of God to do what? To talk about Jesus. Amen? To talk about your life in Christ. You see? So the question today that I want to ask you, it's not in the Bible, but I want to ask you anyway, is do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want a Spirit-filled life? Or do you want to try this Christian religion on your own? And so many of us do that. We're quite happy to accept Christ and live for Christ our own way. We're going to come to that this morning. It's by the Spirit that you can say, only by the Holy Spirit who's empowered your life can you say and filled your life can you say Jesus is Lord. Amen? You can't do it any other way. What does it mean when Jesus is Lord? He's the new owner of your life. He's the boss. Amen? Well, let's come a little bit further and he says this. Uh, Jesus has the key of every room in your life. He can go into any part. You'll allow him in. The freedom to go into every thought every room of your life and be Lord of every part of you. Now it's interesting to notice, not many people want a spirit-filled life. I was preaching in quite a, a prominent Baptist church some years ago and preached on this subject. And do you know there was a resistance? People don't want to be told that they've got to live under God's power. They don't want to be told that they're going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. They're going to live... In, on the heartbeat of God as the Spirit leads them. No, they don't want that. A few families responded to the appeal of the Holy Spirit. Others were indignant. We live our own Christian life. Really? The church has forgotten. God is not interested in our buildings. He's not interested in the way we put up a program. God is interested in His program by His Spirit in your life. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, You are to surrender your body, a living sacrifice unto God. Amen? Yes, your body must be controlled. Your life must be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus, on one occasion, said to the crowd, Are you sure that you want to follow me? He challenged them. They were just like sheep following him. And he stopped and said, If any man will follow me, he must take up his cross and follow me. And he challenged them. If you want to follow me, then you must take up the cross and follow me. Those who did were there at Pentecost. And those who followed Jesus experienced the spiritual input, the spiritual life. Christ wasn't there anymore, literally. They experienced Jesus in spirit and in truth. And that's what Christianity is about. It's not religion. It's the spiritual relationship that you now have, the spiritual empowerment to be unashamed of Jesus and speak of his great love. The others who walked away that day were not there for the Spirit-filled life. I want you to think about that. 
Those who turned away and were not there to experience the Holy Spirit. And let me, let me remind you, you today, the command in Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, Be being filled. It's a command. Well, we talk about a deeper life in Christianity. Not just a surface acknowledgement of Christian facts. But a deeper life with God. Where people have really have a spiritual union and relationship with Christ. You can only do that through the control of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you don't ask Him in, how in all the world are you going to live in Him? You're in Christ and now Christ must be in you. How is Christ in you? By the Holy Spirit. That's indwelling you. Now how in all the world are you going to live Him out? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life from day to day. Well, Ephesians 5.18 says, Be being filled. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. I like that. Don't be drunk with wine, okay? But the illustration is this. What is the illustration? Have you ever seen a drunk man? He's got no inhibition. He's drunk. He'll tell you how much is in his bank account. Oh, he'll tell you, what, he'll sing although he can't sing. Isn't that right? he walk down the street like a rich man and tell you he's a wonderful guy. Won't he do that? And the next morning you say, you know what you did? No, that wasn't me. Is that right? Because he was under the influence of? Alcohol. Yes, alcohol. Isn't that right? The, the alcohol controlled his life. Well, the Bible in the same way says here, as a comparison, it says to you and to me here, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be under the influence, the filling of the Holy Spirit, so that you can live in joy, you can live in praise, you can live in power and boldness and a witness before the people that you live with. Hallelujah? Yes. Are you spirit-filled this morning? Because this command is a must. It must be obeyed. It's not optional. For you to be a, a Christian in a deeper walk with God, you must have a deeper life with God. And where does it come from? It doesn't come from you being good. It comes from you trusting the Holy Spirit to lead you into the deeper walk with God, personally in Christ. You don't hear this anymore. And I'm worried that we don't uh, 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 talk about it and live it anymore. It's not optional. It's absolutely an obligation. You must be obedient to this command. Secondly is this. Um, it's addressed to all believers. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ here this morning, this message means nothing to you because it's only believers in Christ who can be filled because He is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who sent the gift of the Spirit. He is the one who fulfills the promise of the Spirit in you and me. Amen. Well, notice with me then that as we, as we look at that, it is present continuous tense. It's in the aorist tense in the Greek language. That means it happened once, the effects of which, if you believe, will happen in your life and continue to, be, continue to happen in your life. So you're not only filled once, you're filled continually. The Spirit controls your life, if I can use that expression today. On the day of the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, why? It leads you to a consistent Christian life. Not one that's up today and down tomorrow. Not one that believes today and trusts God tomorrow. No, uh, uh, and forgets God the next couple of months. No, no, no. It's consistent. It keeps you on an even keel living for Christ in spite of all the difficulties. The way we lose the fullness of the Spirit is by, the, by disobedience to God. 
What is the disobedience we experience? That we don't rely on the filling of the Holy Spirit. We travel in our own strength. We take the job that we feel like because we live in our feelings. We, we go where we want to go. Well, God, surely Jesus won't mind. God doesn't mind. Um, I'll marry who, who I want to. What has God got to do with it? And we don't follow the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And disobedience allows you and me to come to the full stop. The Spirit won't come and control your life if you don't surrender your decisions and choices to Him. The day of filling in Acts chapter 2, as we read this morning, at Pentecost, the believers were filled. Believer, you've got the right to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be obedient to that this morning. Secondly is this. In Acts chapter 4, as we read, verse 31, and they were all filled. Well, not some. They were all filled on the day of Pentecost with the Holy Spirit. And now in Acts chapter 3, after they prayed again, they experienced in that difficult moment another filling of the Holy Spirit. An empowering for a time in their weakness when God wanted them to be strong. Ah, it's a spiritual. I've always said this to you. The spiritual must be in control of the physical. Instead, this is what we do. We turn it around. And my physical circumstances must, must be right and ready, and then I'll be a spiritual person. Uh-uh. It's spiritual that controls the physical, no matter what circumstances you and I are in. Thirdly is this Acts 9 verse 14, and the Apostle Paul, he was filled after his conversion, or at his conversion. He was prayed for. The Bible says he was a spirit-filled believer. Philip, the deacon who was preaching, became an evangelist, was a spirit-filled believer. Those who served tables were spirit-filled believers. What does that tell me? All Christians need to be obedient to the command, be filled with the Spirit. Amen. That means we will live submissive one to another in our daily walk with the Lord. This period that we're talking about is the period of realization. What do you realize? I realize the fulfillment of the promise of the Father in me, the gift of God by the Holy Spirit. And folks, what have you got? You've got absolutely the third person of the Trinity in power as God's Spirit, as Jesus' Spirit, dwelling and living and making, giving reality in your life. There are a couple of evidences this morning. You have a real faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. That's natural. But how is faith born in your heart? When you hear this word like a seed, the Holy Spirit waters it, and it becomes a living belief in your life. The Holy Spirit gives you that living faith. Secondly, the other evidence is this. uh, uh, About the evidence and the reality of faith. Scripture becomes a reality. It's not in a book anymore. Once I've read it, he puts it into my heart, and that's where he witnesses to the truth. And the truth sets me free. Praise God. That's the Spirit-filled life. But if you don't ask to be filled, if you don't take this word and believe it, and say, Holy Spirit, empower me with this truth, there's going to be no action of the Spirit, or no growth in your life. You'll remain immature. And you see, Jesus said to his disciples, Greater works than these will you do. And he's saying, you've read these things in the Bible and seen what I've done, but by the Spirit's power, you're going to do greater things, than greater works than these that, that you've seen. And how is that possible? I can't do anything. 
But you see, when God's power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, works in you and me, and I by faith trust Him, I live a spirit-filled life in a, in a relationship with God. God works by His power. You can move the mountain. He can supply the food. My, He can open the desert way for you. Whatever is possible. Hallelujah. Are you in that adventure though? Or are you sitting back saying, I hope heaven comes soon. That's all I live for. Come on, folks. This spirit-filled life is the adventure with Christ. The witness, these people became witnesses. Why? Because they were convicted by the spirit of their sin. Then they became Christians and they were witnesses to the inner work of the spirit. Not the external religious practices, but the inner working. I love the religion we've got around us here. Many people practice religion and their hearts are never changed. They swear, lie, wheel and deal the same, same the next day. But you see, when the Spirit of God is controlling your life, He's birthed you into a new life and He controls your life. Let me tell you something. That's not an external thing that I do. It's an internal thing that God does in giving me a new character and giving me a new life and then helping me to live in the actions of the Spirit day by day. It was not external but internal. You see, the Spirit confirms the truth of God in my life. People say, oh, I was changed, Pastor. I had to change my life. If you had to change it, it won't last long. But if God changes your life, it's changed forever. Amen. Well, you receive the Holy Spirit because you believe. You can be an unbeliever here this morning and ask, you won't get the Holy Spirit. But if you're a believer and you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it is your spiritual right to ask for that. And my prayer today is that you would experience the fullness of God. Quickly then, be being filled with the Spirit is important. Experiencing what? I'm going to call it now the abundant life. The life that is overflowing. Picture with me this morning. I've only been in hospital twice in my life. Once when I was young and once the other day. When I was young, I went to the Discovery Hospital. When I was there, I was lying in bed because uh, there was, I had my tonsils out. And I had to stay there for a day. So I looked out the window, beautiful place over the Hamburg Dam, beautiful place. And I saw a boy on, uh, on the field kicking a ball. And what do you think my heart said? Oh, I wish I was out there with him kicking the, the ball. Both boys, boy on the field, a boy in the bed. We both have life. I'm in the bed, I exist. But the boy out on the field has the abundance of life. Has the fullness of life. You got it? That's it. And I think most Christians are like this. We just exist. We don't have the abundant life. We don't live in the enjoyment and the fulfillment and the victory of the Christian experience. Because we don't have the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, carefully notice with me then, uh, as, we, as we share this today... There are three kinds of people in this room today. Possibly, I hope not, but there are three kinds that I want to share with you. First of all, there is the natural man, says the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. He says, there is the natural man. Uh, I want to quickly get there to make sure we've got it. The natural man. And the natural man does not know, says the Bible, the things of the Spirit. Chapter 2. And verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 
But he who is spiritual judges all things. In other words, you don't have the working of God's spirit in you. That's why the natural world is all and everything to you. You live without God doesn't make any difference. You don't have any fear of anything. You just live for the world in which you were born. You love it. You love the evil of it. You live it. And that's a natural man. God, it doesn't matter if he's here or not. I don't care. That's the natural man. Then you get the spiritual man. Chapter 2 and verse 15 says, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who, what is a spiritual man? A spiritual man is the one who's judged all things. Christ has come. He, I'm a sinner. He died for me. I accept Christ as Lord and Savior. What happens then? I've received him into my life. And the Spirit of God controls the spiritual man. He has made me a spiritual person. You're not spiritual because you're religious. You got it? You're spiritual because you have the Spirit of God working in you. Hallelujah. And don't neglect these teachings. Because this is vital to the whole understanding of Pentecost. When the Spirit comes, He brings true spiritual relationship with God. And you see, the spiritual man can live the abundant life. He's free to live for God as much as he wants to. Are you free? Or are you still inhibited, still in bondage, still worried about your sin? Uh, the spiritual person experiences the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Love is the basic fruit. There's only one fruit of the Spirit, by the way. Not many fruits. There's love. If you love, then, you, then you, you love one another. Like Valentine's Day today, right? Are you loving each other? Some of you found it expensive, didn't you? But let me say this. That, that's love. Okay. Then you have patience. Loving patience is a good patience. Loving kindness. It's all from love. And you see, that's the only one fruit of the Spirit. But from that, loving patience, loving endurance, loving long-suffering. Can't have time to go into it all. But that's the great evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, is the fruit of love. And all the other things come from that. And who sheds the love of God abroad in your heart? The Holy Spirit. Why is it that Christians are not experiencing the abundant life? Because there's a third kind of person in the room today. We call him, as we look at 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 to 3, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to worldly or babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, or even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal or worldly. For where there, are, where there are envy, strife, division among you, are you not carnal or worldly and behaving like mere men? There's a third condition here. These carnal people or worldly people are saved people. But they don't live a spirit-filled life. And so their actions, and that's what's wrong with our churches today, they don't have spiritual people in them. They've got... Uh, religious people who are worldly minded, not Christian minded. They haven't got the mind of Christ in them. They haven't got the love of Christ in them. It's no fruit because they bear no root in Jesus Christ. 
So the Bible calls them carnal. It's quite close to an unbeliever, actually. You're living as a Christian, professing Christian, the life of an unbeliever. Well, let's quickly go through it and notice some things. You trust in your own efforts. It's all about you. And if you do that, you become legalistic. You put the rules first and then the relationship with God. If I keep the rules, I'll have a relationship. Uh -uh. If you have a relationship out of love, you'll keep the, the rules. That's the way the Spirit of God works it. You try to confirm the truth by fleshly means. And my, my Bible tells me this morning clearly that those impure thoughts, those critical spirits that the Bible speaks about here, is all from the carnal or worldly mind. We do business the way the world does. I remind you as business people, be careful that you don't do business the way the world does. You're a spirit-filled believer or professing to be, or maybe you're just worldly or carnal. And you don't know the victory of the spirit-filled life. You say, I speak in tongues, I don't care. Listen to me. Spirit-filled people are people who the character quality is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness. There's no end to these things. And you do business honestly. Amen? Amen. Yes. And so I want to try to uh, ask you this. What will the Spirit confirm in the life of a true believer? He'll confirm the truth. What will He do in the life of a worldly Christian? He'll convict you of the sin and say, you know, you don't want my Holy Spirit in your life to change your life at all. You, you, you gun ho on looking like the world, acting like the world, living like the world, keeping its standards instead of living the way my Spirit will guide you. Think about it. So what I'm going to do this morning is let you come with me. We try to confirm truth by worldly means. Listen to this. Oh, because Gary Player goes to church and prays, he plays golf, you see Christianity must be true. What's wrong with that? It's the wrong way around. The Bible is true whether Gary Player plays golf or prays makes no difference. The Bible is true. Amen. Yes. I don't need Gary Player's prayer to confirm the word of God. Amen. Amen. Secondly, is this Denzel Washington. I like the actor. He's a pretty good actor. But he suddenly talked about God and family. But he swears like a trooper on, on uh, television. It doesn't match, does it? But let me share this with you. Because Denzel Washington now reads the Bible with his family. Does that make the Bible true? It doesn't make the Bible true. The Bible is true before Denzel Washington was born. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to say to you, don't put the cart before the horse. These celebrities are often carnal people. Filled, not with the Holy Spirit, filled with themselves, living a worldly life, trying to convince, or we use this to try to convince the world that we are absolutely what God wants us to be. Listen to me. We only use a spirit-filled life to convince the world that God is alive. Amen? Yes, my dear. We can't be carnal. We can't be worldly. And you said, I, I, I want to do this. I, I was scared to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway this morning. The carnal person is a hobo. I repeat, the carnal person is a hobo Christian. You didn't do anything with that? The hobo Christian, what is a hobo? A guy who comes here with a packet. He smells to high heaven. He's got a degree. 
He's, he's a human being. He's been to school. Everything's right about him. But what's wrong with his life? He's a hobo. He's living there out of what? Professing to be a human being. <laughs> he does what? He's got no victory. He's got no job. He's got no place to live. He's got no bank account. He's always asking for something. Believe me, I come here every day. So secondly is this. He takes no responsibility for his life. The hobo Christian, the carnal Christian, takes no responsibility for the Christian life. Why? Because they don't want to ask the Holy Spirit to come into their lives and to take control. They don't want that responsibility. A hobo never gives. Are you a hobo? He always wants. He always takes. Think about it. I don't want to run them down. I love them. He's on the street because of guilt and shame in his life somewhere. I've lived with them in my own house for years. I'll share this with you. They suffer from guilt, the hobo does. So, oh, my circumstances put me here. I can't be anything else. This is it. And they get no victory. They're in bondage to their own guilt. Listen, Christian, if you're in bondage to your guilt, you're a carnal Christian. You're not free. He's dirty, isn't he? The hobo. God forbid, but he is. And in his dirt, what does he do? He never washes. But he washes occasionally. Saw the terrible thing the other day of one actually watching the, 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 the rainwater come out of a, a duct somewhere in the ground. And he, he was washing out of that gutter water. He was washing his clothes. How low can you go? But you see, the carnal Christian is no better than the unbeliever. He doesn't live a confessed cleansed life. When the Spirit of God fills you, He reminds you to confess your sin daily. If you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. His life is up and down. It's not stable. It's not consistent. He fails to draw on the power of God, this Christian, and depends on outward things to make him happy. He practices sin. And he doubts God is the carnal Christian. But what about the spiritual, spiritual life, the abundant life? The question is, how can I be filled with, with the Spirit? In the next three minutes, listen to me. It's very basic. It's not a formula. It's just the way it works. It's a must. You must ask. Luke 11, 9 to 11. Ask, said Jesus. Ask for the Spirit and you will be filled. Have you ever asked? Ask yourself the question. How much more shall the Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Many of us want things instead of the real resource to live abundantly and victoriously. Secondly, you must desire that spiritual depth. And you know, the carnal Christian, the worldly Christian, has no desire for God. Only for the money they make and the more money they want to make and, and, and for the next relationship they're going to have, that's the way they live. They don't live to please God. They've got no desire. The desire is, I go to church to satisfy my conscience, but I want to stand here this morning and say this lovingly, I want to live for myself. 
If you want to be a spiritual believer, you must have like the early disciples. Jesus created an expectancy in their hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit to wait for the fullness of God. The absolute abundant life in Christ. You must desire. Listen to Paul's desire. Oh, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. Listen to this. Oh, that I may uh, uh, live for Christ. For me, living is Christ. To die would be gain. If you live for the flesh or you live for just the human nature that you've got, the fruit of that will be all sorts of anger, all sorts of jealousy, all sorts of unrest in your life. But if you desire God you will experience victory over those thoughts, those intentions, those jealousies, those hatreds. Thirdly is this, you must obey. In Acts chapter 5 verse 32, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey. Then you do what you're asked to do. You don't say, I believe, and you never do. You got it? You don't say, I believe, and never, never do what you believe. The Bible teaches us lovingly here in the book of Acts. I want to read it to you, 5 verse 32. Uh, where are we? The uh, Bible just lost some time. Acts 5 32, it says very basically here, and we are his witnesses, these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Are you obedient to the Spirit? Or are you obedient to your own feelings and the prompting of your own life and your own desires? How how the world takes and tries to structure you to plan your future, to plan this and plan that. You must be obedient to the Holy Spirit. You must receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2. What does it say? It says this, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You receive the Holy Spirit because you trust Christ to fill you. Yes, you get on your knees after supper and say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit as I go out to that meeting. Fill me with your Spirit, Lord, as I go out to testify tonight. Fill me with your Spirit, Lord, as I go to that decision in my life. Amen. Yes. Lastly is this, by the hearing of faith, faith came by hearing, hearing the word of God. He who supplies the spirit does it by the hearing of faith. He doesn't do it any other way. And then you will surrender your body, a living sacrifice to God, Romans 12 and verse 1. If we finish today, I want to give you a testimony of Samuel Logan Bringle. He was one of the great leaders of the Salvation Army. And he yearned before God to know the confidence that his sins were forgiven. And these men all had a personal encounter with God through the truth of God's word in the power of the Spirit. And, and he said he'd been doing all this Christian work. And one day he, he said to God, I don't know if I'm cleansed. I don't know if my life is guaranteed in you. And all of a sudden a verse came to his life. John, 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he said it was the the flood, it's for him personally, the floodgates opened and the Spirit of God enlightened his mind and gave him the power to live free from condemnation, 
free from guilt, free from shame. The spirit of filled life is a cleansed life. Amen. Yes. Secondly is this. The spirit-filled life is an exchanged life. You see, when I come to surrender my life to Christ, I give Him my life in exchange for His life in me. How does He live His life in me? By the Holy Spirit. Amen? I live in exchange. What does He do in my life? He makes Christ a reality. I'm still to see Christians today get together and stop talking about Corona. Talk about Christ. Not because I said so, but because that's what's in you. That's what the Spirit leads you to do. I witness with you. You witness with me. Corona? No. Christ. And you see that exchange life. He tells me something. A Spirit-filled life is this. That I, I change the old life for a new life. I change the Willie Dengler life for the Christ life. Amen. Lastly, is this this morning, is the witnessing life. William Nicholson was a young Irishman who came flooding out of a pub one day and found Jesus a saviour. And in his walk with God, he struggled and eventually had to overcome these thoughts, had to overcome these, these anger, these, all these types of things, and realised he wasn't living up to the mark, but he was missing out on the spirit-filled life. And so William Nicholson got onto his knees and said, Holy Spirit, for my life, I surrender to be obedient to you and to let you deliver me, unchain me from my past and make me a witness for you. The next morning when he went out to do his little job, he couldn't help but speak about Jesus. He couldn't help but rejoice in his job. The life that Christ had given him was real. It was inflamed. It was growing in his heart and in his life. Tell me something as we close this morning. Have you had this encounter with Christ? This encounter with the Holy Spirit? You say, Pastor, how often? As often as, as you need to. It's present continuous. Be being filled. What's the evidence? You will begin to rejoice. You will begin to live in obedience. You will begin to see your witness grow in Christ. You'll begin to see the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. That's the spiritual life. My prayer this morning is we will be spiritual people who encounter the Spirit of God daily in our walk and our talk. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. If the Spirit of God moves us this morning, if you've come to that conviction in your heart today that I need to be filled, I've been living in defeat. I have no victory. I've got my own brand of Jesus, not God's original brand, where the Spirit makes Christ a reality then you need to ask Him today to cleanse you and now to fill you with the Holy Spirit. The reason you're asking that is because you surrender completely and say, Holy Spirit, fill my life. I receive because I believe. Activate my life, Lord. In you, Lord. Strengthen me, Lord. Uplift me, Lord. Let my life be in you, Lord. Each and every day. May I be a spirit-filled believer. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Shall we stand together? We'll close with the benediction as the other folks come in this morning. We're right on time. Amen. If you have any questions, please phone me or come and see me. Pray together, talk about it. Please don't get it wrong. Just simply take it by faith and see what God's going to do. Hallelujah. Father, we come now into your presence again and thank you, Lord. But the promise is still here. But the promise is fulfilled today in each life as we believe and we obey and we trust. I ask you to help us to walk out here knowing that my life is filled with the Spirit and God is working in and through me. Evidence your power and your greatness, that your church might stand strong and be the witness that it should be in these awful times to the glory of your name. We can't be spiritual without the Holy Spirit. Blessed be your name and all of our people say, Amen. God bless you. God keep you. Have a seat for just a minute. As you leave today, we ask you to go quickly because uh, we don't want you to mix those people there. You know what? They might be gone I'd say. No, they don't want to be It's just that we don't want you to mix from this service to that one. You can say hello, of course. But it's good to see you all. We love you all. Pray that God will bless you and keep you. And remember to live the spiritual life. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Have a good day in the Lord. Don't forget your Bible studies if you need them at home.